Man, 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 that's some good stuff, isn't it? That, that might be the best worship that we've had so far in this new room. That was good stuff. So thank you, Spencer and, and the team for leading us. Man, I don't, I don't know about you, um, but uh, just a few minutes as I was standing over here and, um, and just watching you guys worshiping and worship, worshiping as well, I don't know about you, but I, like I, have, I have visions of seeing 685 people in this room. Like, you know, completely unhindered, not held back, not giving a rip about anything else other than Jesus and who he is and the life that he has for us and what he's doing in us. And so um, I know that that's going to be a reality, not just something that we dream about, but something that's going to happen. And so uh, I'm excited for those days. Great days are ahead. So we are in a series called I'm Not a Christian Because. And, uh, and just in case this is your first week with us or you haven't, haven't been with us since we moved down here or whatever, we, um, this is all about a series of just talking through those barriers. What are those things that, that get in the way? What are those things that prevent us from following Jesus? And so if you are a, what you would call a non-believer, a skeptic, trying to figure this out, you wouldn't label yourself right now, tonight as a follower of Jesus, then really what we want to, we hope to do is to help address some of these issues with you that may prevent you from taking that step and becoming a follower of Jesus. But it's also cool because for, uh, for those of us that, as Christians in the room, it's hopefully been really challenging to us. And, and caused us to look at our life and look at what we believe and the different things uh, in issues like hypocrisy and take a really tough look at ourselves and, and try to determine, is, is, that, is that what I am? Uh, or even just talking about issues like suffering and why is that, is that so prevalent in the world? And, uh, and even like what we talked about last week about God's love and not thinking that God's love is for other people, but even for those of us that claim that we love Jesus, understanding and, and living in and experiencing the love of Jesus as the foundation of who we are. And so that's what we've been talking about. Now, tonight we're going to jump into this next barrier, this next issue that gets in the way that causes a little bit of friction or just causes us to have doubts or concerns or whatever. And so this is, again, one of those things that impacts Christians and non-Christians. So regardless of, of where you land in the room tonight, this isn't one of those things that you can tune out. It's going to have impact for you. And uh, in fact, it's going to have such impact that I would bet that this is one of those, those issues or one of those things that we think about often. It is one of those areas of our life that we want desperately. I mean, we crave this to the point that we will fight anybody or anything that, that tries to keep us from having this. It is a major issue, a major desire in all of our lives, and we can oftentimes feel like we're in trouble without it. We get a little bit nervous or anxious if we don't feel like we've got it in whatever situation may come up. And that barrier that we're talking about tonight is control. <laughs> already, some of you are starting to get a little bit, a little bit nervous. You're already starting to break out into a sweat. Heart's beating a little bit stronger. Blood pressure's going up. We want control. Of, don't we? We want control. Control is a big deal to us. We want to know that we are in charge. Right? We want to know that we've got control. We've got our hands on. That there's nothing that's outside of our grasp. 
There's nothing that we can't manipulate or, or use to our full advantage or whatever. And it is not just we want control of some things. We want control of everything. We're not content with just having control over certain areas. I mean, you think about what is that area of your life that you don't right now have control of? And I would bet that for a lot of us, if not all of us, that, that makes us a little bit anxious or nervous. I don't have control in that area, and I, I'm not okay with that. See, we want control of everything. We want control of our future plans, especially for you seniors now or you know, juniors even that are starting to think about that. And you're thinking about, man, I've, I've, got, I've got my future lined out. Lined up. I've got it laid out. I know what I want. I know the things that I'm going to do. I know what college I'm going to do, go to. I know what occupation I'm going into. I know what, what my future looks like. And I've got this picture that I've painted and I've created. And it's the all-American dream, right? And so whether it's money or, you know, a convertible or a sweet dress like I was from the 50s or a really nice mansion, these are those things that I want, and maybe, maybe that picture doesn't look like that for you, but maybe you've got your, your future lined out. You've got your plans, man. I know what I want. We want control over our happiness. We want to believe that mom and dad can't tell us what to do, right? Not, not any of you. You guys don't feel that way. We, we don't want to feel like mom or dad or anybody else can tell us what we should or shouldn't do. Right? We, have, we know the things that make us happy. We know what we want. And we, we kind of walk around, and especially with this generation, is it, there's that big mindset of just feeling like, this is my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do what makes me happy, and no one can tell me that I can or can't. And we want to have control over the things that ultimately are going to make us happy. We want control of our relationships. So maybe you are in some ways that controlling friend that uses other of your friends and other relationships around you. Don't point. You like to tell others what to do. Or maybe you decide who you will be a friend with and who you will not be a friend with. And you like to have control over that. You like to have control of, over your social circle that you're in and the people that you hang with and you know, the, the people that you associate with. And even within that, you like to potentially manipulate those relationships to your advantage. And maybe you hold that over other people's heads that are friends with you. Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be friends with them anymore if they won't do everything that I want. Maybe you manipulate that relationship with that boyfriend or girlfriend for the purpose of getting them to do what makes you happy, what the, those things that you want, those things that are going to bring you the most satisfaction and enjoyment out of that relationship. So we want to have control over that. We even want to have control over people's perception of us. Now, this is a huge one. And if, and if you say, ah, oh, it's not really me or whatever, I mean, just, just think about social media. All right? Just think about the issue of the area of social media and how many selfies you take of yourself before you put the one up that you want people to see. Right? For example. Man, how about that selfie, right? No, 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 go back. Hold on, go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. 
So that's the image that we want people to see, all right? I don't know why we would want them to see that, but that's what we want them to see. So we put, you know, squiggly lines, and, you know, we, we get the filter just right, and, you know, we make sure the angle of our face is right, and the background's cool, and, you know, there's all of this stuff that we do that we put into this. I mean, this is a big deal, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this out to the world and to my followers, and they're going to see this, and what are they going to think of me? So we want control over this. So what the world sees is they see this, the one selfie that we've put out, the thing that they, we want them to see. What they don't see are the 15 other pictures that we took to get to the one that we wanted, right? Like the blurry one or the weird duck face with the eyes closed or eyes weird or whatever that was or falling into the waterfall or even, or even that. Like that one's definitely get deleted off our phone. Because we want, we want to control the perception, right? We want to control people's perception of us. We only want them to think about us what we're okay with them thinking about us. So we're, it's really easy with social media to create this world and create this perception, and we lose sleep over stuff like this. These are those things that we try to control. And I guess my my question is, as much as we want control over things, as much as control is something that we desire, is having control really something that benefits us? If you have ultimate control over every area of your life, or at least you think that you do, does that really benefit you? Because I don't know about you, but I, th- I think about my life, and I think about the truth that the more I control, the more screwed up my life is. The more things that I try to manipulate and to control and to dictate what is or is not going to happen, the more that seems to blow up in my face. So I try to control my future plans. It was me 15 years ago that wanted to be the big rock star and moved to Nashville and do the whole music thing. And I thought, man, this is going to be amazing. This is the plan that I have for my life. And I'm passionate about this. And I lied and said I had the talent for that. And so it was, this, this was what I wanted. Look at that, those cool guys. That was the best I could do, all right? was a wrinkled, that shows how, how much my dream, my future plan has, has gone in the toilet because we had to dig this out of the basement. So there, there I am in that striped shirt, just looking really cool. And at that time in my life, as an 18-year-old or whatever, I was going to, that was my dream, that was my future plan, was I was going to do this. So we loaded up the car and the U-Haul and we moved to Nashville and whether it was because of a lack of talent or everybody else was talented around us or a combination of everything, what ended up happening is my plan and my desire became more frustration and heartache rather than what I envisioned it was going to be. I tried to control my happiness 
One of those examples that immediately came to my mind was, I remember when, when um, this is before kids, Angie and I had been married a couple years, I was in my early 20s or whatever, and I remember um, wanting, wanting this Volkswagen car. It was, a, it was a 93 Volkswagen Passat. And for whatever reason, I thought it was the best thing ever. And I wasn't even looking for a car, but I saw this at the car dealership, and I said, I want that. Like, that car is going to make me happy. And so I fought, and I, in that moment, made up my mind, that's what I want, and nothing's going to stand in my way. And the harder it became for me to get the money to buy the car, the more I fought and the harder I pushed and the more resolve I had in my mind to say, no, this is what I want and I'm going to have it. And pushed and pushed until finally got that car and it ended up being a lemon. It was the worst car that I've ever owned in my life. And Angie and I sunk we probably had that thing a year, and we sunk thousands of dollars into it. It was always breaking down. It was always at the dealership or at the mechanic. And I remember the last picture I had, the last time I saw that car, it was being loaded up on the back of a, of a, of a truck, and it was carried off because the transmission had failed, and that car was worthless. And that thing that I was so sure had made me happy, to this day, I regret that I ever bought it. At times, I tried to control my, the relationships that I was in. I remember as a fourth grader telling this girl that I would go out with her, but only if she wouldn't tell anybody, because I really didn't think she was all that good looking, but I wanted a girlfriend, so I said, yeah, sure, I'll go out with you because I don't have anybody else, but don't tell anybody, and if you do, I will break up with you. That's, I promise you that's what I said. And later that afternoon, her friend came up to me and said, hey, I heard, heard that you and Megan are going out. And I said, not anymore, we're not. And I broke up with her. Because I was convinced that I needed to have control over that relationship. I wanted to determine what was in my best interest, what I wanted to get from that. I tried to control people's perception of me. And man, that's a black hole where you fight and you lose sleep and you are thinking, man, what, are, are they going to like me if I say this? Or when I said this, what did they think? Or you know, what is their perception? What do they think my reputation is? And, and I used to just you know, cause myself so much heartache and so much pain, wasting so much energy worrying about what my perception was to other people. Until I came to the realization that there's always going to be somebody that's going to have an issue with me. There will always be haters. There's always going to be critics who are going to have an unfair perception of me. And while that's not okay that I just don't care about people and the way that I interact with them, at the end of the day, I can't waste a bunch of energy thinking about what could their perception be and how can I act this way, not for the best interest of other people, but just so that they'll have a good perception of me. Because for every one person that sees Justin Timberlake, there's a hundred people that see Screech. And you can't control it. So our desire for control impacts everything. And then it brings us to our relationship with God. And our desire for control 
impacts that relationship as well. And we think things like this. For the, for the non-believer, we think, can I become a Christian and still do what I want? If I follow Jesus, does that mean that I won't have fun or that I have to stop doing certain things? Because after all, being a Christian is boring, and it means that I can't do some things that I really want to do. See, our desire for control in our relationship with God goes all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to the story of creation in the garden with Adam and Eve. And in the very beginning, God has created everything, and it is perfect. And even in a perfect world that God has created without sin, God has ultimate authority. God is the one that's in control, and God is in command of everything. Then God creates Adam and Eve, and he gives Adam and Eve freedom over creation. And they have freedom to live and to enjoy this perfect world that he's created. And they get a chance to eat as they want to eat and they get a chance to name animals and they get a chance to run around naked and no one cares and it's may not seem like a good world but at least in that sense but it was it was perfect it was it was everything that they could have wanted and the only command that God gave Adam was do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can do all of this And I'm giving you authority over this. So you're in charge. You're in command. You have control over all of this. But that tree right there, this is your only command. Do not eat of that. And it was ultimately for a perfect life, for joy, for satisfaction. But what Adam saw with the help of the serpent was he saw a tree that he couldn't eat from And it was an opportunity to have knowledge like God. And if he had knowledge like God, then he could be equal with God, and maybe God couldn't command him anymore. See, Adam saw the the control that God had, that God was in command of everything, and Adam wanted that for himself as well. Adam, in that moment, was tempted to choose his will over God's, to choose what he wanted over what God had given him and what God had set him up to enjoy. And he chose that. He chose his will. And what he did when he disobeyed God was it led to sin and death. And it tainted everything that God had created. And a perfect example of that is you take the relationship with Adam and Eve. So think about this. Adam and Eve, before sin entered the picture, before they screwed up, They're in a perfect relationship with each other, right? There is total and complete unity between Adam and Eve. It was how God set that relationship up. They're the only perfect marriage in the history of mankind. But they were equal, and they were able to serve each other and be totally unified and enjoy what God had created. But when sin entered the picture, it damaged that unity, And so sin caused Eve to start becoming that controlling wife to Adam. 
That one that tries to manipulate and control her husband and you're going to do this and you're not going to do this. And it caused Adam to try to rule over Eve and to cause her to submit and to demand authority over her. And Adam and Eve, who were once unified, now all of a sudden find themselves wrestling for control. And this is a bigger deal than husband and wife wrestling over the remote. This is ultimately, no longer did they seek the other person's best interest in everything, but now they sought their own interest. So you take where control started, and then you bring it down to where we're at today. And because of what happened in the garden, because of them desiring control and what sin did to them, was just as it entered into their picture, it also entered into our picture. And sin now became a part of our life. And ironically, sin desired one thing from us, control. That thing that we want so desperately, that's the one thing that sin wants and has over us. See, as much as you and I want control, the truth is there's something that controls us. You and I having control is actually a myth. All of us are controlled by something. We're controlled by our desires, we're controlled by our lust, by those temptations, by those things that we desire. You think about our future plans and that, that thing that we want to control so bad and yet it, it, it sometimes we, we end up finding that the fact that it controls us. That we get so worked up and so bent out of shape because things aren't falling into plan and we actually realize that that is what's controlling us rather than the other way around. We want to control so desperately people's perception of us and yet we often find ourselves losing sleep and up at night and, and not being able to rest because we're worried so much about what somebody thinks about us. And in reality, it's that that controls us rather than the other way around. See, in reality, all of us are controlled by something. I guess the question at the end of the day is, what do we want to control us? What is it that we want to control us? Here's what Romans 8, 6. The first part of that verse says, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. See, when you and I try to maintain control, when we try to do what we want, it actually leads to those things controlling us, and it really plays right into sin's hands. And we start to realize that these things that we want to control actually control us, and they ultimately lead to our destruction. But there's another truth in play here. The flip side to that is that when you and I allow God to lead and guide us, that's where true life begins. The second part of that verse Verse 6 says, but letting the spirit or letting God control your mind leads to life and peace. 
when sin controls our mind, when, when we allow our will and our desires and the things that we want, when we start focusing on that, it actually leads to death. But when we relinquish control over to God, God says it leads to life and peace. Jesus, when he was on the earth, said the same thing. In Matthew 6.33, he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. See, Jesus is offering us a rich and a satisfying life. He's offering something significant, the best life we could ever experience, the life that he originally intended for us back at the very beginning before sin entered into the picture. But in order for you and I to experience that, it requires one thing. It requires control. So when you look at it, we all want the same thing. We want control over our lives. Sin wants to have control over us, and God wants control of our lives as well. See, everybody wants the same thing, but it is only in Jesus that we can experience and receive everything we need if we will seek him above all else. See, those other things promise satisfaction and they promise to make us happy and yet when we get to the end of it we find that it does the opposite and it is only that promise that God offers us that actually comes true and we sometimes think especially as non-believers we think you know what man I don't really want to be a Christian I don't really want to follow after Jesus I'm not really interested in surrendering my life over to him because I feel like that's going to lead to a lesser life That's going to restrict my fun. That's going to restrict what I want. But the truth is, only when we surrender our heart and our life to Jesus can we experience the fullness of life. When we let his desires become our desires, when we let his will become our will, and he promises us that he will give us everything we need. Here's what I think is part of the problem with that. We don't really believe that that's true. We doubt that. There's so many of us that feel like at the end of the day, we believe if we have control, it will lead to a greater life than if we gave up control to Jesus. We feel like we know what we want, and and if we pursue the things that we want then we will experience a better life than if we allow Jesus to do that. And that shows that we really don't understand all that God can do when we surrender to him. We still think that we can create a better life than Jesus can. And as long as we struggle with that, as long as that continues to be a barrier for us, then we'll never really experience the full and rich and satisfying life that Jesus has come to offer us. See, with this barrier, unlike some of these other ones, it's not necessarily a lie that God doesn't want control. God does want control. I think the lie is what we think the result is going to be. 
man, I'm going to give you control, and then I'm going to have to settle, and it's going to be terrible, and I'm not going to have any fun anymore, and I'll probably get sent to some foreign mission field, and I'll get killed, and it'll be terrible. Rather than understanding that what Jesus has in store for us is better than anything that we could possibly come up with ourselves. We have to give up all of our life in order for Jesus to give us all of his life. God's life begins where our life ends. True freedom and satisfaction and joy begins at surrender. It begins at giving up control to God. And sometimes I think we ask ourselves the wrong question. We think, how much of my life can I hold on to in order to have happiness? But the question we should ask is, how much of my life can I surrender so that God can do incredible things through my life? I want to close by just asking you this question. And I want you just to to think about what the answer would be for you. Not what it should be, but what you would honestly say is the truth. Is living for yourself the best use of your life? Because everything about the culture says that it is. Do your thing, do what you want, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Just live for yourself, do what you want. But in the end, is that really the best use of your life? Is that really going to lead you, not where you think it's going to lead you? But what's going what's to be the reality? When you get to the end... What's going to be the result? Is it really in that moment going to be worth it? Especially for those of us who are, who are Christians, as we were singing that last song, I, I couldn't help but think, for so many of us, we've, we've made Jesus Savior, but we've never made him Lord. We've wanted forgiveness, we've wanted salvation, we've wanted to know that we're loved and that we're accepted and all of that, but we've never really wanted to turn the keys over completely to God. We've never just gotten down on our knees and just said, you know what, God? You have complete free reign of my life. It's no longer about what I want. It's about what you want. And making you Lord does not mean that I get to dictate plans and thoughts and ideas to you, but rather it means that I simply surrender control over to you and I do what you want and I go where you say and I live how you tell me to live. And we do it believing that at the end that God's going to give us everything that we need. That it's going to satisfy us way more than anything else could possibly satisfy us. Let's pray together.
God, this is such a tough, tough subject. God, for all of us in the room, because everything within us, the nature that we have, God, everything craves to be in control, that craves for us to do what we want and to be self-centered and self-focused and to look after what we want and our plans and our happiness and our goals. And to live in a culture that tells us every single day that that's what we need to focus on, that that's what we need to do. God, it is so easy to buy into that. And to begin to look at Christianity and surrender and giving control as a foreign idea and as something that limits our life and limits our freedom and limits satisfaction rather than the reality. That you have come to give us a rich and satisfying life. And if we will seek your kingdom above all else, if we will make you Lord, if we will give control to you, then you will accomplish more in us and through us than we ever could accomplish ourselves. God, I pray for those students in the room tonight who have never taken that step and put their faith and trust in you as Savior. God, I pray that they would realize that they can't control their future, that they can't control their sin issue and that they would look to you and, and receive that forgiveness that you offer them. God, I pray for those of us as Christians who, God, I don't know, maybe as the church we haven't done a good enough job of just talking about surrender. God, for so many of us that we've got one, we've got one foot in this whole thing. We want love, we want grace, we want salvation, we want all of the benefits because at the end of the day it's about us but we don't really want to put the other foot in and fully surrender to you. And we're missing out. God, I pray if that's us in the room tonight, God, that you would bring us to that point where we fully surrender every single thing about who we are and fully give over control to you and allow you to do what you want to do with us. God, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.